0: No, I'm not going to talk to him, Jane told her husband, Louis. Not after what he did. Louis glanced at Jane for a moment and then spoke into the receiver. No, Mike. No, she doesn't want to talk now. Okay, bye. Louis hung up, walked over to his wife, sitting at the dining room table. How long is this going to go on for, hon? Jane's lips thinned. You know what he did. First, he thought he should have gotten more of Mom's estate than he did, even though he got half. Exactly half. And then, after he went broke, he had the gall to ask me for a loan, as he called it, and I was dumb enough to give it to him. We even drew up an agreement for repayment. And did he pay me back? No. So an apology is not going to cut it. Lewis sat down next to Jane. It's been 30 years. And you know he doesn't have a lot of time left. I don't care, Jane said. If he was really sorry, he would have at least paid me back by now. It's up to you, of course, Lewis said. But you might be surprised if you talked to me. No one likes to feel like a sucker. Like they've been played as Jane feels. There's a horrible sinking feeling that comes when you realize you've been taken advantage of. Like your own personhood has been violated in some way. Especially if the person has been shown what the line is, but steps over it. But in an infuriating way, the Lord seems to show little concern for our feelings on this. Even worse, he seems to show less concern for his own image, for his own dignity. It goes back to God taking a people for God's own. One would think that God would take a mighty nation to be God's people. The Egyptians say, or the Babylonians, or the Hittites, a mighty empire that did mighty things. Wouldn't a self-respecting God want a people he could be proud of? A people who had it together? Actually, no. Deuteronomy nips this in the bud in chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. It was not because you were more numerous than any other people that the Lord set his heart on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors, that the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God took Israel as God's people for no other reason than love. God didn't want a mighty nation that had it all together. God showed them mercy out of that love, giving them Sabbath rest by freeing them from their captivity. God's mercy, God's liberative power, God's open heart is at the center of Sabbath rest. So all these commands we have here, Deuteronomy to Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, we got that little section in the Gospel of Luke, are nothing more than a call to emulation. They're actually a call to power, to exercise God's power in one's own life, but surprisingly, the way God's power is exercised, the only way God's power is exercised for us is through mercy. Through opening one's hand and one's heart as God opens God's hands and God's heart to us. And in exercising God's power through mercy, one strengthens that the beloved community that Christ died in to liberate. And one recognizes that the Sabbath goes beyond just a day. Sabbath extends to everything, everything we hold on to, whether actual tangible debt or a grudge that we've nursed for 30 years, like Jane. Sabbath is to be a way of life. When we live the way of Sabbath, we live with open hands. In our reading from Deuteronomy, the word for remit, or to let go, is shamat, which has the sense to let let drop, you let it fall. I also like that it rhymes with the Hebrew word for Sabbath, shabbat. It's not a relationship between the two words, but I like it. Shamat, shabbat. It's used before Exodus 23, When a Sabbath for the land is described, Sabbath isn't just for humans in the Old Testament, it's also for creation. The Israelites are commanded to shamat the land, to let the land lie fallow every seventh year, relying on whatever the land volunteers for sustenance. Imagine having that kind of trust. In Deuteronomy, the Sabbath for the land was extended to a Sabbath for the community itself. Just as they let the land drop for the seventh year, so the Israelites were to let debts drop. To open their hands. And in opening their hands, open their hearts just as the Lord did for them. The Gospels echo this, this call to mercy. This call to let things drop. There's an ancient misconception still alive in the church that the Old Testament is nothing but law and wrath. That it's just a a bunch of do this, do that, or God will get you. That there's no gospel anywhere. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Old Testament is filled to the brim with gospel. The Old Testament, beginning with Genesis one, is an account of God's mercy. First, active in creation, when God imbued imbued creation with Sabbath rest. Does God get angry? Yes. Does God punish sin? Yes. Does God do things that seem absolutely crazy to us? You read you read through the Old Testament, yet you stop like. What is going on here? Does God do crazy things sometimes, at least from our perspective? Yes. Perhaps dying on a cross is the craziest thing. But at the heart of God is mercy, most clearly revealed to us in Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Plain. Not because they deserve it, especially not because they deserve it, and not because you expect something from them, but because you're practicing what the Heavenly Father does for you without your deserving. Our Heavenly Father always has an open hand and an open heart, giving us Sabbath through His mercy, through letting go of our sinfulness, through letting drop. Our debt that we can never pay. Liberated, we're giving an amazing opportunity and a call to wield that same kind of divine power ourselves. The power of mercy. Expecting the worst, Jane worked up the courage to call Mike one day. And I'm not going to say it was completely happy ending. Mike never did pay Jane back, nor did he offer to. And hard feelings from time to time still popped up. But up to Mike's death, three weeks later from cancer, they began to talk. And Jane found that the more she was able to talk, to just stay engaged, the more she was able to let go. Not just the physical debt, but more importantly, her own hurt. She finally found a modicum of rest, of Sabbath, in that relationship. So what do you need to let go of? In what ways do you deny Sabbath rest to yourself or to someone else? As Jesus has let go of your debt, Jesus invites you to let go of that debt, today, whether literal or figurative, to remember that he has liberated you from the power of sin, that you are endowed with his power to forgive, to strengthen God's beloved community with open hands and an open heart. Let's pray. Lord Christ, you have given us the power to let debts drop. Help us show your power of mercy as you show it to us. Give us open hands and open hearts, wellsprings of Sabbath rest. Amen.